<laughs> Sometimes there's just too much tech going on. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for this day. We thank you because this is like a little subset in a new beginning of a new season. As we enter into the season of Lent, uh, even those who aren't active in church, they know what Lent is. They said, oh, that's the misery time. It's a time that we have to give up things. But we realize that it is a time of reset. It's a time of renewal. It's a time of authenticity for us to be able to be honest with ourselves, be honest with you and the, the fellowship of the faithful. So we ask that you would be with us as we begin this journey. Uh, bear with us because we're going to need what you provide, the measure of your grace in order to make the commitments uh, that we are holding ourselves to. And we know that we can accomplish these things with your guidance. And so hold us that we might be able to hear and have the opportunity to respond to you. And may the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. May you look upon us with favor and grant us peace. In your name we pray, amen. For those of you who've been following my, my ministry, my style of, of ministry, you know that I like happy church. <laughs> I like happy church, I like to cut up, I like to have fun, I like smiles, I like laughter, I'm that kind of guy. Now of course, my private life, I'm very dour, very serious. <laughs> very miserable, ask my wife. But, but in, in church, I feel like there is, sometimes church gets a bad rap. Some of it's earned, some of it is earned. But oftentimes people would hold back and refrain from being involved in sacred things because they think it's all dour. Maybe I've dispelled that myth on more than one occasional Sunday, but there are times and there are places for serious, deep, meditative work, and Ash Wednesday is one of those times. Now, I've told funny stories on Ash Wednesday, I've told some great stories of forgiveness, but what I want us to think about is, because this is a, a somber time, a time when we're going to be thinking about our mortality for the next 40 days, a time of spiritual cleansing, a time of, as I said in the prayer, authenticity. We need to be honest with ourselves. And I think that Ash Wednesday gives us that platform to realize that this, this race that we are running, we want to run it in such a way to where, of course, we're going to be victorious. But I think it doesn't serve us to deceive ourselves and to, to sort of fashion a world around us that perhaps is maybe better than it really is and to not be able to address the concerns that we have. Because how do we grow in our faith? We grow by being honest with the obstacles that we struggle with. To be very transparent about the things that tempt us, the things that break us, the things that cause us to stumble. As Bill was reading words from the prophet Joel, we see here that the prophet is speaking to God's people who are understanding that there were some misdeeds. There was some brokenness. There was a disconnect. But God does not desire for these hearts to be apart from God. God's not like, oh, I'm sorry. You messed up. I can't help you. 
God is, through the prophet, calling individuals and calling the community back. Calling them back that they might be able to, well, one, own the brokenness, own what was wrong, own the hardship, but have an opportunity and an invitation towards new life. Now, if we thought that that's what, for any of you who think that's what worship is, good on you. Because I really do believe that when we enter into worship, when we enter into devotional times, when we create sacred spaces, whether we are dwelling in it for just a few minutes or for hours, or we can get in a state of ecstasy and perhaps maybe ride a spiritual high through a duration of a week if we can, whenever we create those spaces, there is an opportunity to where we are responding to an invitation from God. What keeps people away from sacred things? Shame. Shame keeps people away from sacred things. Misdeeds, brokenness, criticisms, reminders of the fact that we are of, of, of flawed and failed individuals. We know this. We don't have to go far to know that sometimes we don't always have the golden touch. We understand that. But because our world is so surrounded with stories of success, deliver, be the goat, right? That's the greatest of all time in case everyone's like, Goat? No, I'm saying, <laughs> greatest of all time. It's an acronym. But when we are constantly being driven with this constant message of like, oh my gosh, you don't even have enough followers. You don't have enough likes. You don't have enough subscribers. You, you're, not, you know, you're not realizing your, your digital potential. It is very hard when you're constantly being bombarded to be great, to be excellent. How then do you wrestle with the fact of when you make a mistake, when you have disappointed someone, when you have disappointed yourself, when for try as you might, you just can't get it. Where is that person supposed to go, right? Where do then do they go to find hope and renewal? And, and I'll tell you something else that we do, and this, and this does us a disservice, is that we equate the criticisms that we receive from humans, we equate that with God's opinion of us. So Joel, as he is speaking to the, the populace, and people are probably having their own concerns and they're trash-talking one another, and Joel's like, you do realize that is, that's not coming from on high, right? These are people just scabbing out <laughs> and being miserable and making others feel miserable and doing human-type stuff. And God comes in and says, oh, hold on, I'm not done with you yet. I want to breathe new life into you. I want new possibilities in you. I want you to recognize that, yes, there has been some misdeeds, but I am calling you as individuals and as a community to be renewed, to find wholeness again, to find welcome again, to repent and realize that it's not just a, an academic exercise. But to repent means that God has heard, seen, absolved you, brought you home. It's a powerful message. And it's a message that shouldn't just be exclusive to Ash Wednesday. The reason why we, we put the, the, the magnifying loop on it at Ash Wednesday is because we realize that we are entering into this 40-day time, which... which ends, of course, with the, the culmination of, of Easter and the resurrection promise. But you can't get to the resurrection without going through the valley of the shadow of death. 
And anyone who wants to skip on, and, and in fact, the resurrection has no potency to it unless it is preceded by death. So what is God in Ash Wednesday asking us to own? That we are dust and that we will return to dust. And all this animation and all the bright colors and all the flavors and all the sweet tastes of life and all the affirmations will come to an end. But what is it that we stake our claims on? And this is where Jesus is speaking to the crowds and, he is lying, and he's saying to them, look, you've got all these people out there who are, who are they're looking religious, but really, <laughs> that's, that ain't nothing but show. That's spectacle, right? Praying loudly in the public square, fasting so much that their faces are all twisted up so everyone can see how truly hungry they are. Oh, if I could just have a sandwich. If I could just have a little bite to eat. Give me a Werther's. Come on, just give me a little piece of candy. Right? And there's that sense in which he's like, oh, they got their reward because they're all out here carrying on in spectacle. They have nothing else to offer God because they've, they've, they've given it all away in performance. But for those of us who understand the need that, that it's, there's a conversation that's taking place between us and God, and it needs, it needs us to be able to have that space where there can be clear communication. Close the door behind you. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Because there are times when we need, how much, of, I don't even want to show up hands. I'm just, I raise my hands just because, you know, it's something to do. It's a gesture. Sometimes they just float up there like Dr. Strange look. Ah. Um, <laughs> for those of you who get that reference. But we have to understand that there is a conversation that we are having with God. And sometimes there's so much distraction, we can neither offer our petitions nor even hear God's responses. And I like that invitation that Jesus gives us to just basically say, maybe we need to listen. Maybe we need to be able to have more sacred spaces where we can just be still and listen and not have to impress anybody and not have to justify our, our, our very existence. But to be able to, to, to go back and... Because Lent, Lent is a time of, if we take it seriously... A lot of self-reflection. A tremendous amount of self-reflection takes place in the season of Lent. And you start to think about, this is that time when you start to think about your life. Not, what have I accomplished? But where am I in my spiritual walk? What is God trying to teach me that I've been ignoring, that I haven't grasped yet? Where is God leading me? How is my ego, how is my pretense still standing in the way of this revelation that God is just waiting to give me. And what do I need to clear away? What distractions? What things do I need to like set aside in order that I might, that that call might be able to come through with great clarity? This is why the spiritual practice during Lent to abstain from something is not so you can prove uh, your, your, your test of fortitude to your friends because you're like, I gave up coffee or I gave up chocolate or I give up alcohol or, what, or whatever it is. No, I am going to make a conscious effort to abstain from something that I enjoy to spend that time with God who will spiritually prepare me 
for better things, significant things. Maybe even prepare me for that time when we really cross over. So Lent is an incredible journey time, which we need not fill with distractions because we can get more than that. There's plenty of distractions. We can leave church tonight, get distracted again, right? Phone buzzing and buzzing and chiming and things we got to get to and places we've got to go and errands we still have to run when we're done with worship. And why did the man talk so long? Because I got things I got to do. You came to church. You wanted to be here. <laughs> but this invitation to seek God in the quiet spaces, the secret spaces, this invitation to not store up treasures on earth where all this stuff fades away but to store up those treasures in our heart. This invitation to respond to God's call for renewal, not only as individuals, but as a community. I mean, this is the stuff that should have us basically, uh, and this is kind of a, a weird reference, but it should have us accelerating our, our eagerness to be still. We should all be anxious to be still. I can't wait till I can be still. I can't wait until I can be at that place where I can truly hear God's call for me. I don't have to be anywhere. There's no, there's no schedule. There's no, just, it's, just, it's just keeping my appointment with God. And that's what I want you to do for these next 40 days as you move through, through Lent, is I want you to make a conscious effort to keep your appointment that you're going to make with God. To keep that appointment, to keep that time, to keep that schedule, to be able to keep that check-in, because this is only the beginning. That things are, are happening, things are moving right now, and God is calling. And we need to be prepared to hear and to respond. And we needn't be afraid that this is all going to come to an end. Because... It's how we prepare ourselves that helps us to ward off the heavy hand of death. Jesus faced his cross. He faced his cross. He taught us how to bear our burdens. And if during the season of Lent, we strengthen our bonds and our connection with God, then what do we have to fear? What are we really afraid of? What do we really think is going to happen to us if we immerse ourselves in God's call as a poison? Because we know that absence from God, to me, that's, a, that's an unimaginable hell. Absence from God, absence from, from grace and from favor. I don't, even want, I don't even want to wander down that path. I will take my time in the valley of the shadow of death because that's where God is. Walking with confidence beside us. So I'll go into that valley. And I, and I urge you to go into that 40-day valley. Lord, who throughout these 40 days and 40 nights wrestling with his temptations in the desert, having the presence and the fortitude to know that it was by the words of God and the presence of God's messengers that he would exit that time of temptation to be able to call disciples and proclaim authentically the word of God. So here we are standing at the cusp of our own time in the wilderness. Our own time of being able to say, Lord, I've been struggling with some things. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling. I want to respond to your call, but there's so many other things that are demanding my time and attention. 
How can you help me cut that straight line so I can see that it's not a contest between me serving you and serving other things, but right relationship with you leads to right relationship with everything else that I'm going to do. We must never forget that. Never forget that. Never forget that if we give God due attention and due regard and we allow ourselves to come and unburden ourselves at God, God's going to set right relationship with everything else that we do. It's not a question of, let me go, God, I'm going to get back to you on that one, but let me go take care of this business over here, and then we're going to, we're going to talk, we're going to catch up. God's like, that's the wrong order of things. Talk to me first. Check in with me first. Because I got you on all that other stuff. But if you don't know me, then what are you doing? <laughs> right? You're just wandering around there in strange myths. Familiarize yourself with me because I am the wellspring of life. And those little sins and those little mistakes and those little, that little brokenness, that's nothing to me. This is, this is God talking. This is not me talking. This is God, right? I'm paraphrasing. God's like, this, this doesn't bother me. But when we have this connection, I'm going to help you with everything else. I'm going to see you through this. To me, that's, that's, that's what I want to hear when, I'm, when I have to start a journey like this. When I have to start a journey where, where theologically I have to think about the fact that I will be dead, <laughs> right? And enough years go by, my name won't even resonate because everyone else who knew me be dead also. And when you start to think about the magnitude of that, it doesn't really matter how great you are on earth. You'll be forgotten. But God remembers. God never forgets. So where do I want my attention to be? Where do I want my loyalty to be? Where do I want my, where do I want to spend my time? Who do I want to learn more about? Who do I want to invest myself in? The one who has power over body and soul. The one who can renew me day after day. The one who consistently loves me. The one who is not afraid of my mistakes. Who's not afraid of my brokenness. Who's not afraid of my, my crabby behavior and sometimes ill manner. The one who has time to come and return and restore me as often as needed. That's who I want to spend time with. That's who we're going to spend time with. So I'm going to read the, the invitation to this Lenten discipline before we do the imposition of ashes. And, and listen very carefully as to why this custom has, has been started. And get yourself in the frame of mind to receive um, not only the, the imposition of ashes, but of course the invitation for communion, but get yourself ready to receive this invite from God to say, I am with you from start to finish and whatever lies beyond. All right. An invitation to the observance of the Lenten discipline. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection. It became the custom of the church 
that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need we all have to renew our faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church to observe Holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, by reading and meditating on God's holy word to make right beginning of repentance and as a mark of our mortal nature. Let us now bow before our Creator and our Redeemer. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be a sign to us of our immortality and penitence, so that we may remember that only by your gracious gift we are given everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior.